What's up, everybody? It is episode 90 of everyone's favorite mediocre program. This podcast is just okay. Uh, my name is Nick Rose. I'm your host, as always. And uh, always, I got a mediocre show for you, but uh, pretty sure it'll keep you entertained. So you know what to do when I hit the cue. Fight! like that see how i'm queuing up that music different theme song because i got a cool episode for you um but let's get into our normal uh table talk discussions for the week how's everybody been um it's been a quick week quick week long week long and quick is that a thing i don't know i worked a lot that's what i know i didn't see the family too much um but hey that's all good right because you got to make the money right so um man yeah i've been working a lot i I don't know. I've been cleaning the basement. That's been exciting and fun. I've been enjoying the rainstorms. There's been a lot of rain, and that's been that's been good. Um, preparing myself in the doomsday uh, uh, bunker. Not really, but I've, I've been cleaning the basement out. And you know, there's a lot of stuff down there. And I will I will say this. I want to go on record and say this. I am not a hoarder at at all by by any means. Um, <laughs> there's a difference um, because my basement is full of junk and i mean the the storeroom i can't even walk in the storeroom i can get maybe maybe a couple feet in and that's as far as it goes because it's just floor to ceiling piled high with junk and um the thing about that is a lot of it isn't mine so we came in um when i bought my my house um well, I guess I can I can go back and say it. Um, so my house was built about 63 years ago, and um, my grandparents were the first ones to to own it. They they bought the house when it was built, um, raised a family here, had you know three kids, and then I came around. Um, I grew up here, lived my whole, lived most of my life here, moved out, and you know did my thing. But when my grandparents passed away. The house went up for sale, and I didn't want to see another family in this house because there had only been one family ever in the house before. So I did everything I could, and I bought the house back from the bank and moved in. Um, and then it, you know, there there was tensions with with me and the family uh, about that because they thought, you know, I was gonna resell it behind their backs or whatever. There there was a lot of lot of uh, drama involved in that, but. Um, <clears throat> I'll never forget when that happened, though. I moved in, and they said, well, everything inside is your problem. And um, what that meant was I bought into a fully furnished house which that had, you know, over 50 years worth of stuff inside on top of everything that I brought in from our apartment. You know, and, and the thing is, when you, when you get a house, too, one of the first things that anyone ever says to you is, oh, hey, man, uh, can I just, you know, put this in your garage for a couple days. I got nowhere to store it. And, you know, I storage, you know, went out and I, I don't have the money to, to pay next month's storage rent. Can I just stash it here? I'll be back for it. Sure, man. No problem. You got family members who come by, you know, estranged 
uh, family members who go, oh yeah, hey, can I can I just stash this here? Or, Hell, oh yeah, you have an extra room. Can I can I room with you? I got nowhere to go. And um, <clears throat> you're young, naive, you know, early twenties. So you say, sure, no problem. And then you realize it's been um, a little over twelve years, and a lot of the stuff that's that you were holding for a weekend it has now completely cluttered up an entire room or the garage. And it got to the point where I wasn't able to park in my own garage for almost 10 years and until finally I, I got, I had enough of it. I got a dumpster and uh, just started throwing everything away. I said, look, man, none of the stuff's mine. Most of these people I don't even talk to anymore. So they're not coming back to, to claim these items. And most of the stuff has accumulated into the basement. So I have spent, uh Majority of my day um, downstairs filling up trash bags and getting stuff out of here because, you know, like there's a difference between hoarding and and not. And the difference is, um, like I said, I'm okay with getting rid of stuff. I'm not I don't want to sit here and hold all this junk forever. Um, A hoarder thinks that. They need to accumulate stuff to gain happiness. They need to, you know, fill every or every crevice and corner of their home with stuff to feel complete. I don't feel that way. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this house that I just I don't care about. There's stuff that I don't need, stuff that isn't mine, and so it, it does feel good to get rid of the stuff. I mean, a lot of it is I'm lazy or I don't have the time and. Uh, <laughs> really got to watch when i say and uh um little little behind the scenes i've already cut like 10 of those out of the audio <laughs> and, but i keep doing it so it's just a habit but <clears throat> that too but no nah, it's weird i i have a lot of a lot of plans in the in the basement i can't get to any of it because there's just too much junk so we've been down there filling stuff up and throwing stuff out so that's that's been a majority of my day nice and relaxing um homeschooling is done thankfully (laughs) he did it he made it kids kids are out of school it's it's summertime and i don't have to worry about uh computer stuff for a little while and i am more than okay with that so um how is everyone else did you all survive um Write to me, justokpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let's do what we normally do. Uh, that's my update for the week. Let's play a song. And then uh, I got a really cool, uh, fun list. Um, if you guys haven't guessed already, based on the different theme song that I used, uh, what today's subject is going to be about. So sit tight. Let's listen to some music. And we'll be back.
So from video game themes to kiss, this podcast seems to have it all, doesn't it? <laughs> In a mediocre format, because that's what we do best. Now, let's get into it, all right? So I have been playing the new Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, it's new to me. I just got it, and I am loving it. Playing the story mode, seeing all the old characters, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun so far. We're doing the story mode, which... <laughs> I've noticed there's a lot of watching and a lot less playing involved with the story mode, but it is a lot of fun. It's a blast. I love the graphics, the violence. Um, some of the combos still the same. I'm, I'm a little rusty. Uh, I used to play. I, I played the first Mortal Kombat when it came out. Um, there was a, a corner store across the street from my, my mom's place uh, growing up. Now just take quarters and go right across the street and just play. You know, at the Circle K for hours, uh, Mortal Kombat. And uh, when I had a Sega Genesis, I had Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So those were the two games that I had. And uh, now I've got this new one. It's cool going back and forth, uh, back to seeing the old characters and stuff and how they revamped them and stuff like that. And I remember those were actually two movies that I got to see in the theaters when they came out. A uh, huge Mortal Kombat fan. And... um you know, what is it? Few games get hearts pumping or forcefully torn out of chest like Mortal Kombat. Um, it's an ultra violent fighting franchise and it's influenced the gaming landscape since day one. Um, it popularized the use of digi digitized sprites, uh, single handedly spawned the ESRB and started the practice of including secret characters who are the subject of rumors and legends. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Since many Mortal Kombat lists began, myths began as hearsay, nobody could tell the difference between a glitch and an actual unlockable character, and that's just regarding the benign rumors. Some unscrupulous arcade managers created baseless myths to trick naive children into spending their paper route money. Once in a blue moon, however, a Mortal Kombat myth turned out to be real, either because players had to test their might and patience to unlock a character, or because the game's developers were influenced by fan passion and turned rumored features into reality. So here's some of Mortal Kombat's most famous myths that had more than just a grain of truth to them. Uh, don't know if you guys know any of these, so here we go. Uh, one, you're the mini-boss now. Mortal Kombat is full of memorable characters such as Liu Kang, Raiden, and Johnny Cage. One combatant, however, stands head to and shoulders above the rest, 
Goro. Unlike the other fighters who were digitized actors, Goro started as a four-armed love letter to stop-motion legend Ray Harryhausen. Goro captured the hearts of players everywhere, and with his fame came rumors that he was an unlockable character. What better way to get revenge on the game's ultimate test of skill, patience, and bottomless pockets than to use him to pummel opponents? While Goro isn't playable in the original arcade version... Word spread that players could unlock him on consoles, which isn't true except for one odd exception. Mortal Kombat was ported to literally every game console at the time, including the Game Boy. And while this port is the worst way to play the game, it features the first instance of a playable Goro. Players who don't want to suffer through that version to play as Goro can always buy Mortal Kombat 10 and shell out $5 for its DLC. While Mortal Kombat fans eventually got their wish to play as Goro, the wish was seemingly made on a monkey's paw. Gamers either have to play a bad port or participate in a practice more unscrupulous publishers use to nickel and dime audiences. Goro got the last laugh after all. Uh, number two, the sneaky Saurian sub-boss. Uh, in the first Mortal Kombat game, a mysterious green ninja named Reptile would occasionally interrupt the beginning of a match, spout gibberish like, Look to La Luna, or Tip it forward, but not my tub, and then disappear off screen. Uh, rumors about him spread like sentient wildfire. Players theorized that he was unlockable and could be caught via his cryptic comments. After deciphering Reptile's quotes, one rumor surfaced. When shadows fly across the moon in the pit stage, players could fight him if they won two matches without blocking or taking any damage. Uh, Double flawless victory. As well as ending with a fatality. It was a daunting, far-fetched task, but that rumor proved true. When performed correctly, players would fight Reptile, and what a fight it was. He was faster than most characters and used an amalgamation of Scorpion and Sub-Zero's moves. Unfortunately, the unlockable character portion of the myth was false, but he returned in Mortal Kombat 2 as a playable character. Uh, Reptile was a stroke of marketing genius. His wily nature ensured the, the interest of players and guaranteed they would keep inserting quarters to discover yet another vital clue. Reptile slithered his way into the hearts of Mortal Kombat fans and holds the enviable title of first secret character in a fighting game. I, like I said, I had Mortal Kombat 3 and I loved playing as Reptile. Reptile, Rain, uh, Noob Cybot, um, who else? Smoke, Cyrax. I liked them all. Um, whenever I play against someone, it was always, you know, you can't be Sub Zero or or, or Scorpion because you're too good. So <laughs> that was my rule, and I, I always liked Reptile. He had some cool, cool moves. I liked when he spit the acid out. <clears throat> all right, man. Glitches that made players see red characters. In video games, developers use palette swaps to create new characters and enemies without taking up too much time, effort, or disk space. Just copy a model, switch some colors around, and you're 90% done. And the Mortal Kombat team abused this so much to create several characters, including combatants inspired by palette swap rumors. Uh, two such characters who began life as Mortal Kombat myths are Ermac and Scarlet. Uh, Ermac's origin lies in a shorthand term for macros the catch errors in computer code um in the arcade cabinet ermac is listed under reptile fights and since most arcade goers aren't fluent in code lingo rumor of the secret character ermac spread because of this fictional fighter's popularity the development team brought ermac to life as a playable character in ultimate mk3 plus he eventually became a black garbed psychic ninja mummy 
pretty sweet. Scarlet, like Ermac before her, was supposed to be a red-tinged, glitchy palette swap of Katana. Uh, however, nobody knows if, Scarlet, if the Scarlet glitch was real, as uh, producer Hans Lowe and director Ed Boon have conflicting opinions. Doesn't matter, since the de- developers eventually transformed Scarlet into a playable character in the 2011 reboot. Okay, are you still with me? Because we got a lot to get through here, like Ed Boon's fake character coming to life. While Mortal Kombat is one of the most violent fighting game franchises on the market, nobody can say its developers lack humor. Character intro dialogues are full of jokes. Friendships bring uh, friendships bring visual gags to the table. The toasty meme is the stuff of legend. While most players are in on the joke, MK's developers sometimes play pranks on gamers, which is how one character started. Uh, to attract players, arcade cabinets use clips of impressive canned footage in what is known as attract mode. A game has to put on a show to convince players to part with their hard-earned quarters, after all. Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3's attack mode features a purple ninja named Rain laying the beat down on MK's big bad Shao Kahn. Since Rain never appeared in previous MK games, players flock to the cabinet hoping to unlock or fight the new character. Of course, it was all a hoax. Ed Boon revealed Rain was originally nothing more than a red herring and a reference to the Prince song, Purple Rain. Uh, the, get it? Because he was purple. That I never knew that. The character was supposed to appear in the game, but the positive reception of Boon's trick convinced the developers to implement Rain in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3's console ports. Well played, Boon. He's been one of my favorite characters uh, since since I, I played <clears throat> All right, man, unleash your inner animality. Mortal Kombat's standout features is the infamous fatality finisher, where the correct button input results in brutal on-screen murder. Of course, the development team eventually expanded on the fatality system with alternate finishers, including babalities, uh, quitalities, and friendships. One finisher in particular, animality, owes its existence to a rumor. <clears throat> While animalities were introduced in Mortal Kombat 3, myths spread as early as MK2 that Sub-Zero could transform into a polar bear and maul opponents to death. This rumor isn't true, but it did not stop a strategy guide from publishing a faked image of the ability in action. Plus, the whole fighters turning into animals thing wasn't far-fetched since MK2 introduced Liu Kang's famous dragon transformation fatality. Still... The rumors were popular enough for the dev team to include a line of actual animal transformation finishers in MK3. Uh, hilariously, the developers pulled a fast one at the last minute and made Scorpion transform into a penguin for his animality instead of, you know, an actual scorpion. Um, at least the penguin lays explosive eggs. So, uh, I was like Nightwolf. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty cool. <clears throat> okay, so the trees have faces, so why can't they eat people? Right? That's what we all want to know. Some players can't pull off Mortal Kombat's fatalities. I'm one of them. Um, so it's not an insult, but the game's developers have the perfect solution. Stage fatalities. Can electrocute combatant, combatants as Raiden? Uppercut them off into the off the pit and into a bed of spikes. You can even throw fighters into living forest trees and watch the bloodbath, although that didn't used to be the case. So when Mortal Kombat... Sorry. Mortal Kombat 2... Uh, released rumors spread that the faces on the living forest trees weren't just for show. Players could toss enemies into them for a tasty bone meal and blood pudding snack. Now, of course, this claim was 
patently false, but being the eccentric creators they are, Mortal Kombat's developers transformed the rumor into an actual stage fatality for the reboot of Mortal Kombat. Uh, moreover, the Living Forest wasn't the only stage to receive a fatality facelift, while the Deadpool... Uh, featured its own stage fatality. The many chained hooks inspired rumors that players could spear opponents with the hooks and unlock a secret area. Although the rumor was obviously hearsay, the MK team took inspiration from the myth to create an environmental puzzle in Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. Simply knock enemies into the hooks to progress. Uh, from background character to big bad. Uh, the next one on the list here. For most characters, it's pretty obvious where the brains behind Mortal Kombat take inspiration. Liu Kang is a love letter to Bruce Lee. Raiden is inspired by lightning from Big Trouble in Little China. And Bo Ray Cho is an excuse to insert drunken boxing, which actually doesn't involve drinking alcohol, into Mortal Kombat. But then there are characters like Blaze, who are the culmination of fan-made myths. The Pit 2 stage of Mortal Kombat 2 has two characters who fight in the distance. These characters are palette swaps of Liu Kang. One wears green pants, the other's on fire. Myths swirled around these characters, their identities, and whether or not they were playable. While the green Liu Kang clone received the moniker of Hornbuckle, the other one was nicknamed Torch. And of course, the rumors in the world didn't make these characters unlockable in MK2. While nothing ever became of poor Hornbuckle, Torch was eventually implemented in Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance as the playable character Blaze, and in Mortal Kombat Armageddon, he was upgraded to final boss status. It's not every day a background character makes a leap from leap to big bad boss, but Blaze demonstrates anything is possible with enough fan fondness and developer dedication. So the you your uh, voice has been heard um next on our list here a huge mortal kombat 11 leak was mostly right so mortal kombat 11 is the latest entry in the mk lineage and that's the one i've been playing last few nights and it is killer its gameplay is tight and vicious and the story is a freaky friday like explosion that bicycle kicks everything you knew about time travel into outer world outworld sorry <laughs> Um, the game also features a sizable roster of DLC characters. However, these kind of fights should ideally remain surprises until they are officially announced, which didn't happen. Uh, some Reddit users acquired early copies of Mortal Kombat 11 and leaked DLC characters like Shang Tsung. Uh, most gamers knew the iconic sorcerer would return, once again played by uh, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. That's I, I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. Um... He was the actor in the movies, let's say that. Uh, before the leak was posted, but the post featured a slew of other characters as well, including Nightwolf, Sindel, Spawn, Joker, the Terminator, Fujin, Shiva, and Ash. Uh, virtually everyone assumed Ash meant Ash Williams from Evil Dead. Since leaks are rarely reliable, MK fans were hesitant to believe these claims. Come May 31st, 2019, however, NetherRealm revealed Nightwolf, Spawn, and Sindel. Then on August 21st, a second DLC trailer unveiled Joker and the Terminator. Um, and I just saw that they released Robocop. So I haven't, I haven't got any of the DLC stuff yet. I'm just kind of working on the story mode, but, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> 
another professional fighter enters the voice actor ring. Uh, video games have a revolving door relationship with voice actors. For every uh, Nathan Drake who retains one voice actor throughout the franchise, there are five Chris Redfields who swap actors every game. And Mortal Kombat falls in the latter category. Sonya Blade is a prime example. She's been voiced by numerous voice actresses, including... Uh, Trisha Helfer. Um, since Helfer voiced Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat 10, many expected her re- return for round two in Mortal Kombat 11. <clears throat> but deep within the recesses of the Nerd Mag, readers can find a link to a now removed Reddit post that leaked a treasure trove of MK11 information, including its cover art and the name of Sonya Blade's new voice actress. Instead of a dedicated vocal thespian who honed her craft to portray characters of varying demographics, the development team reportedly hired professional fighter Ronda Rousey. Granted, she kicks butt as Luna in Expendables 3. But there is a sizable gap between live acting and voice acting, so many gamers didn't believe the news. And of course, the leak was legit. As Ratney, as Rousey voices Sonya Blade in MK11, and is the odd woman out in the sea of the game's long-standing voice actresses like Jennifer Hale, Sarah Cravens, and Kelly Hugh. Uh, continuing the crossover of the century, this is the next one on the list here. Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe. And I forgot all about that game, but I do own that game too. That was pretty fun. Uh, I was like pitting up uh, Scorpion versus the Joker. <laughs> but uh, Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe spun the comic and video game worlds on their heads. A crossover almost everyone wanted but was too afraid to ask. The game demonstrated that Ed Boon's team could make fighting games other than Mortal Kombat and paved the way for Injustice Gods Among Us. While Injustice takes place in its own continuity, its developers couldn't let go of their Mortal Kombat roots and inserted Scorpion into the game as DLC. This opened the floodgates for more cross-dimensional DLC in the sequel, Injustice 2. Uh, Gamers waited on pins and needles for news of Injustice 2's DLC, and when the trailer hit the internet, Jaws dropped. Scorpion wouldn't return, but instead was replaced by his best frenemy, Sub-Zero. Moreover, the trailer finished with silhouettes of future characters, including someone wearing a familiar bamboo hat. Immediately, the internet, internet exploded in speculation. Was the character Raiden or possibly... Uh, similar D- DC character with lightning powers. The general consensus was yes, and gamers didn't have to wait long for the next DLC pack reveal, which confirmed Raiden was ready to rumble in Injustice 2. While Hellboy stole the spotlight in that trailer, it at least confirmed Sub-Zero wouldn't be the only Mortal Kombat character in a world of capes and criminals gone sideways. Whew, this is a lot of info, isn't it? So the last one here, when a menu evades discovery for 20 years, uh, developers usually hide debug menus in their games. These menus let people access secrets and game information never meant for mortal eyes, or at least the average player. While these menus are usually common knowledge, their access and content are the subject of myths and legends especially in Mortal Kombat. So ever since Mortal Kombat uh, cabinets hit arcades, rumors swirled of a secret debug menu known as the EJB menu. Uh, EJB is short for Edward John Boone. Many gamers suspected the menu existed, but nobody could figure out how to access it. In 2015, however, someone discovered a specific series of button presses that led them access the hallowed EJB menus for Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3, as well as Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. The menus contain quite a few standard inclusions, such as game audits to test for errors, character endings, and the ability to enter high score initials, 
Now we know why some of these cabinets uh, feature impossible scores. They also feature a crypt's worth of development secrets. Those who access the EJB menus can see unused sprites for Goro and Shang Tsung, unused Shao Kahn animations, evidence Motaro might have might be planned to be playable, and a Galaga-styled minigame. So, was it worth the wait? Absolutely. Uh, so, there's some uh, there's some cool facts about Mortal Kombat you might not have known, but I found to be quite interesting, especially after revisiting the games after so long. Fatality. And with that sound, let's get into uh, everyone's next favorite segment, the uh, trivia. moving right along here and these are kind of tough but uh this is our kiss trivia segment so welcome uh get you a little bit of kiss knowledge in your life here because that's what everybody needs right so last week i asked you the question what two roles did gene simmons play in the movie never too young to die well the thing is if you guys follow me online uh, i gave a clue to this one during the week because i hosted a watch party and we watched never too young to die uh the answer of course as you guys said was a transvestite and a cia agent he did double roles in that movie with john stamos and um what a movie not the best not the worst either way does it deserve an oscar probably not all right so this week's trivia question is who co-wrote the song War Machine with Gene Simmons? So that's your question. Uh, that's an easy one, kind of. Uh, might take you guys by surprise. If you have to Google it, hey, I'm not stopping you. But uh, you guys can answer the trivia question and send it to me at justokpod at gmail.com or on the Facebook or yeah, Facebook page. At just This podcast is just okay. Um, if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud, go ahead and leave a review. I'll read it on the show. Um, we're going to skip the emails this week. I'm going to give the sad piano music a break. And uh, yeah, we'll call that a week so far. So do what you guys do. Have yourselves a week. And I will catch you guys next time. Flawless victory.